leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. The year 2015 was another big one for biotech with record deal-making, big drug approvals, and solid performance overall. But it somehow didn't feel as good as it looks on paper. Pricing concerns that garnered big attention are expected to grow in intensity in the new year with the presidential election and negotiations for the renewal of the Prescription Drug User Fee Act. We spoke to Adam Feuerstein, senior columnist for TheStreet.com, about the year in biotech the highs and lows, and what's ahead for the new year. Adam, thanks for joining us. Sure. Happy to be here. Another year is in the books. There were 45 new drug approvals. Best year, I think, in 19 years. Biotech stocks as a whole outperformed the general market. Record M&A activity. On paper, it looks like another big year for biotech, but it sounds better than I remember it. How, <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> how good a year was it for biotech? Yeah, I mean, I think you, can, you know all those things that you said are true. So I think if you just kind of looked at the numbers, you know, you might say, "Oh, it's another great year." But I, you know, it was definitely a, I think it was a difficult year for people, challenging year. You know, partly that is because uh, it's almost it's like a tale of it's almost like two different years built into one. You know, we had like sort of the first half and the second half. You know, the first half was go, go, go crazy. Everything was fantastic. You know, and then kind of June, July, uh, everything turned, you know, and, 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 and the, so the market, the market took a big downturn. Um, you know, IPO window kind of closed up, uh, and, and it got, it got ugly there for a while. And, you know, it's starting to come back. I mean, you look at the industry, you know, it's kind of rebounding a little bit, uh, as we end the year, but it was definitely, you know, kind of a, a first half, second half kind of year. It was a big year for drug approvals. You highlight Novartis's heart failure drug and Tresto as, as the best approval. Why is that? Um, I, you know, it, it, I was looking over all the drug approvals this year, and it seemed like Entresto was kind of the most significant uh, approval of the year. Just because you know, uh, like you know, there seems to be kind of incremental progress when it comes to cardiovascular heart disease and stuff. And and you know, they had that survival benefit for these for these patients who are you know who had going to heart failure. So. Uh, it seemed like that that drug, among all the others, could really kind of change the standard of care um, in that disease. So that seemed like an appropriate best. So th- there were also the the 15. PCSK9 drugs, the cholesterol drugs from Amgen and Regeneron and right. Sanofi. How big a deal do you see those drugs being? I mean, I think they could be really big, but I think we're, you're probably going to want. I mean, I think that until until we get the uh, you know the the data on the cardiovascular outcomes. 
you know, and if you see a survival, you know, a mortality benefit in those in patients who take those, then I think then that's when those drugs become big. Um, until then, you know, and I think that they're going to be rather limited in use, and, and I think that's what you're seeing, kind of in the you know in the prescription data that's kind of come out since since they were approval is that you know that the insurance companies for sure are kind of fighting tooth and nail, right? They don't you know they don't want they don't want those to become very um, widely used yet. So that's probably more of a maybe a sixteen seventeen type story. Well, your, your worst drug approval for the year was Sprout Pharmaceuticals, Adya, the, the drug for female sexual dysfunction. Sprout was acquired for a billion dollars by Valiant following the approval. I, I encourage anyone who hasn't listened to our podcast with filmmaker Liz Catter, director of the documentary Orgasm Inc. Th- this was a controversial approval for a drug with potential dangerous side effects and, and limited benefits. How did this drug get approved? <laughs> that's why that's why I, I probably call it the worst drug approval i, I don't know <laughs> we got approved i mean it's like it just it seems like you know the fda had i think they had rejected the struggle twice before you know and there was just this there was just like this sort of fake you know kind of grassroots campaign you know that was totally funded by sprout to kind of get you know, like you know to get people to, to lobby the FDA to approve this drug, which doesn't really do anything. I, it's, you know, a lot of people like, you know, you know, people look at the FDA like a pendulum, you know, like in terms of sentiment, like, you know, people say, oh, the FDA is, you know, they're approving a lot of drugs and they're being very uh, open to new drug approvals or they're being very closed-minded, you know, and and, and, I, and I guess this is an example of, of a case where the FDA was just kind of maybe too open-minded about, about it. But you also talked about 2015 being a disappointing year for CAR T therapies, the the T cell immunotherapies. What what made it so? Yeah, you know, I, I I guess I just feel like I think I said I think I said they sort of treaded they tread water treaded water this year, right? Because you know we there hasn't really been a lot of advance, you know, beyond kind of you know what we've seen before, right? You know, we know that you know, these CAR T therapies work really well in certain kinds of leukemias and maybe some lymphomas. Um, but then the patients do relapse, uh, and, uh, you know, we really haven't gotten, we haven't seen any data like in solid tumors and, you know, the whole commercialization, you know, how are you going to make money and how are you going to commercialize these, you know, which are obviously very complex manufacturing steps required, uh, to make these personalized, uh, engineered T cells. So I think I, I, you didn't see a lot of those kind of questions answered in 2015, um, so that was kind of where I, I sort of said, oh, it's been sort of disappointing because I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's still, there's a lot of work that, that needs to be done with those. 2015 was also a year where everywhere you turned, you seemed to hear about CRISPR, the gene editing technology. You called it yeah. the most overhyped technology of the year. We ended the year with a big dollar investment from Bayer in the technology, but do investors have unrealistic views of time horizons to see a technology like CRISPR turn into a marketed therapy? Well, I think it, I think people get really excited about a lot of these new technologies, and I and I, I don't I don't necessarily blame people for that. I mean, look, we saw that with gene therapy too, like in 2014, right? Everyone was going gaga over gene therapy, um, and what you see is is that you know these things, you know, they're they're bumps in the road, right? And they're they're like you know we saw that you know 2015 for gene therapy was a, was ended up being a very difficult year. Um, because there's some, you know, scientific challenges that we're seeing that, you know, it doesn't mean that it's, that the gene therapy is, is dead, but 
there's definitely some uh, challenges ahead. And so with CRISPR, I mean, I just feel like this, you know, it's like you couldn't, it'll seem like a week didn't go by where like, there wasn't some big story in some magazine about, you know, the revolution, the CRISPR revolution, gene editing, you know, and, and so, yeah, it's very exciting. It's a cool tool that, that scientists are using, but, um, you know, let's, you know, where are the clinical trials and where are the, you know, practical applications and, and what kind of bumps in the road are we going to see with those eventually when, you know, when they do get put into, into, into patients? Um, so I, I think it's, I, again, I, I sort of called it overhyped just because I think that people are, you know, excited about it and, and maybe, you know, reasonably so, but um, it's a long way off before, you know, we're going to see these things approved. Best CEO honors went to Brent Saunders of Allegan, a tough pick. I'm sure you had to really sweat that one out. <laughs> he sold his company yeah, to Pfizer for $160 billion. How, how remarkable a deal was that? And what do you see Saunders' future being? You know, I mean, I think he'll be the CEO of whatever they're going to call that company. Well, I guess it'll be Pfizer or Falergand or whatever people are going to call it, you know? <laughs> um, he'll be, right? The Gaelic he's word for it. He's certainly, you know, he's certainly more, you know, he's certainly more charismatic than, than Ian Reid, right? I mean, Ian Reid's well, I mean, you know, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I've got a lot that's more charismatic than Ian Yeah, he's kind of boring. You know, if you're going to lead the world's largest drug company, you know, you maybe want to have a little bit of charisma. Um, so, you know, and he's young, right? So he's got all that going for him. Um, so, you know, I think that's where you see him. Eventually, he'll run the company. And, yeah, I mean, just in the sheer number of deals and sort of his meteoric rise through the ranks of the pharmaceutical industry, uh, you know, this was, you know, cap capped off with this, you know, with this big deal. Uh, you know, it seemed like an appropriate CEO of the year. <laughs> kind of kind of a no-brainer. <laughs> well, the, the worst CEO of the year was Michael Pearson of Valiant Pharmaceuticals, Valiant really had it all when it comes to scoring points in the worst category. Walk us through this pick. Well, yeah, and that, again, it was probably not too hard of a, of a decision either to name him the worst CEO, just because of everything that's happened with Valiant. You know, again, obviously it was a Wall Street darling for a long time, you know, and sort of they championed that roll-up specialty pharma strategy of, you know, buying companies and having the favorable, ta you know, tax inversions and all that stuff. And, and, and again, like, you know, a lot, of, a lot of investors loved Mike Pearson for, you know, all that he did uh, to, for the stock price. Um, but, you know, that seemed to all unravel this year when we have all these accusations and revelations about, you know, the specialty pharmaceutical, you know, Philidor and all this other stuff and, and shady accounting and, uh, you know, their, the way that they increased the, increased the price of their products. And so, uh, and, and, you know, I think... And not to all, mention the Sprout the deal for a billion dollars. And not to mention this project. And I think through it all, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I think that the company has done just a really poor job of, you know, of defending itself. Now, maybe what they're, they can't defend themselves because maybe people have dead to rights about what they're doing. But, you know, he just sort of came across as kind of this bumbling idiot, uh, a lot of times in terms of their defense. And, um, you know, I guess right, as we, as we record this, I guess he's in the hospital with, with severe pneumonia. So maybe we shouldn't speak too badly of him because, you know, he's obviously ill, but, um, you know, I think again that was a story. You know, and in terms of the in terms of the the scale and the size of it, right? I mean, in terms of the losses that that were that were accrued by investors who you know who were in that stock and and saw the value of that stock fall throughout the year, um, that was a you know that was a pretty easy pick. I should remind listeners that your worst CEO for 2014 was Martin Shrikili, 
Yes, he was. 2015, <laughs> he became as close as a household name to anyone in the biotech industry and quite possibly the most reviled man in biotech. Twitter had a Schadenfreude frest, <laughs> if you want to call it that, <laughs> yeah. with news of his arrest. But Shukili did as much as anyone to move the issue of drug pricing front and center. You said drug pricing was the big issue in 2015, but with an election year and negotiations for new prescription drug user fee act underway, how heavily will drug pricing weigh on stocks and do you think we'll have real action taken in, in 2016? I think I think just like this year, 2016 will be another year where you know where right drug pricing and, and, and that discussion will will be uh, at the center the center point you know the focus of a lot of discussion a lot of talk about it. I don't I don't necessarily think that anything is going to be done about it in 2016. I mean, we have the election. Obviously, it's an election year. Um, I think what's interesting is is that you know. If you ask, you know, Republicans and Democrats about drug pricing, I mean, everyone seems to agree, you know, when you poll people that, you know, that they're concerned about, um, about the, the escalating price of, of drugs. Um, but I bet, you know, if you did the follow-up question, if you ask them, like, what do you want to do about it? Like, what is your solution? You know, Democrats and Republicans are going to have different uh, answers to that question, right? So I think that's where, that's where it gets tricky because, just like we've seen with other sort of hot button political issues, what ends up happening is, you know, nothing, right? We get gridlock. Um, so I guess a lot of it depends on what happens with the election and, and you know, who, who wins the presidency, you know, who, who, to, you know, whether the Republicans keep control of Congress or not. Um, and that will help shape kind of what happens to, you know, policy and, and in terms of if there's anything done with drug pricing. But again, the issue is just going to sort of hang out there, you know, you know, in the ether for another year. Well, 2015, as we mentioned, was, was another big year for MNA, a, a record, I believe. What do you see happening in, in 2016? And, and as the Allegan deal shows us, despite congressional action, inversions have not gone away. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, part of the, you know, part of the impetus to getting that Pfizer out of here doing this, because I guess there are changes that are being put in place and they need to get that deal done soon, sooner rather than later. Um, so we may see, we, we may see more of that. Um, you know, price, you know, I think a lot of, it was a big year for M&A, but again, there wasn't, I think towards the back end of the year, maybe there wasn't as many deals because, you know, I think there's been some concern about valuations, you know, from a, you know, from a buyer standpoint, I think the, there was maybe some reluctant uh, buyers out there. I'm sure there's a lot of companies that wanted to sell themselves, but in terms of the in terms of the buyers, I think there was a lot of uh, uh, there was a lot of concern about you know what am I paying for here. Um, so I think a lot you know you know I don't two thousand I, I can't I never I never get these predictions right about M and A. I don't know 2016. Yeah, we'll have more M and A. I mean, how's that? There will be more deals, and I hopefully yeah. If there's one, then I'll be right. So you heard it here first. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm taking a bold. I'm making a bold stand here. <laughs> J.P. Morgan's kicking off in January as as it starts the the new year in biotech. You didn't go last year, did you? you I did not. Remotely? I, I I did not go. I was not in San Francisco last year. No. I how, how did that work covering it remotely? And what are your plans for this year? I am going this year, so I will be there. Um, uh, I you know I, I actually it was okay not being there. You know I think when you sort of miss it. You know, you do get sort of that buzz. You know, you kind of, you know, you're sitting That's around the alcohol. A cocktail party. <laughs> yeah, you know, the free parties are good. Um, but even more than that, it's just like you kind of, 
you know, the news is the news, right? And it comes out and, you know, it doesn't matter really where you are because you see it um, and you can digest it. But it's more just the kind of that, you know, networking, sort of hanging out with people at some party, you know, you hear something. That stuff, obviously, you can't do if you're not there. So um, I'm going. I'll be there. I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, anytime I get to And, and are you looking for anything special at this year's meeting? No, not really. I mean, it's more of the same. You know, I, I think this year, I think people are going... You know, I think that you know. I think the mood last, like you know, heading into heading into the new year last year, people were very, you know, they were very excited. They were very confident. You know, there was to a very jubilant mood. I think this year people are, um, you know, a little bit less so. It was like I said in the beginning, it was a very difficult. I think for investors, it was a very challenging year to make money um, because of the volatility, the turbulence of the year. You know, up and down. It's very. It's hard to make consistent money when you when the when the stocks are doing that um so i think people are had a it was just an exhausting year when i talked to people i was down in at the american society hematology meeting in december and i was talking to a lot of investors and everyone just told me how exhausted they were you know this is investors i'm talking to um and i so i think that people were sort of trying to rest up and they kind of and they wanted the new year to start they wanted to get a fresh start but so i think that people will not you know i think the mood will be you know the mood is always sort of celebratory and people are always optimistic at the beginning of the year so i think you'll definitely sense that at jp morgan but maybe a little bit less than we saw last year adam feuerstein senior columnist for the street.com and you can follow adam on twitter at adam feuerstein adam thanks as always thanks danny thanks for listening the bio report is a production of the levine media group to automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.